What's up people? Welcome back to Boss DK the podcast where we keep it real. It's Friday and we've got that Friday feeling and we've got a very special guest with us today. In today's episode, we're going to have a real conversation with a man of many layers. Yes, Sanchit Virgogia or SVG as he is popularly known as. In his professional life, SVG is a globally recognized technology analyst, innovation strategist, digital consultant, and a board advisor. He is also a renowned author with a following of over 150,000, a keynote speaker at global forums, a serial entrepreneur who started his firm at the age of 16, and an angel investor in early-stage startups that he mentors on technology, product pricing, go-to-market, and more. By way of an official designation, SVG is the chief analyst, founder and CEO of Greyhound Research, a global award-winning digital and technology research and advisory firm. Greyhound Research works closely with global organizations, their CXOs and board of directors on digital transformation decisions. He is also the author of the famous technology and innovation insights portal as disruptive as IT gets that has readership from 150,000 plus CXOs and over millions of consumers from across 100 countries. The portal has been rated at number 10 in the top 20 global resources for business IT leaders and as one of the 50 must read IT blogs. Honestly, this is just 40% of what the man Sanchit Gogia really is. And if I were to continue this whole episode would just be spent listing his accomplishments. So let's move on and hear from the man himself. We are super thrilled to have you here today Sanchit. Welcome to Boss DK. Hey, thanks a lot for having me here and uh, you know the only reason I agreed was of course both of you are here but uh, just the branding. Oh my god, you know someone from Delhi getting on a podcast called Boss DK. My God! <laughs> <laughs> I know we caught you there. Awesome stuff. It's it's really really a privilege to be talking to you today, and we are super excited to hear your story. So thank you once again for joining us. Sanjit, your entrepreneurship bug hit you when you were sixteen. How did that pan out? Did that shape the way for you for your mm-hmm. future? Mm-hmm. So you know, I was um, before getting onto this podcast, I was uh, thinking about my life this morning. Not that I have lived for very long. You know, I may look very old, and I'm not that old. But you know, on a more serious note, um, you know, I mean, uh, I think uh, before I turned 18 was a very formative uh, time of my life. You know, in the school, I remember in school times, uh, I while I, while I was good at my studies, um, you know, being in the class alone used to really itch to me really get to me so i really consumed my time in school with uh, things like theater things like debates uh, i stood up for the um, so for the elections and i became the head boy so you know all of that really consumed me in my school uh, so i'll give you an example uh, when i was in class 9th i think the acting bug really hit me and i signed up for this uh, padmini kolapuri school of acting and i got myself a mini diploma and i got a great chance of actually um you know acting with some of the biggest stars of the bollywood and then uh, i remember participating in othello you know, did a lot, lot of theater back in time so you no know, at that point in time um it was such an interesting time because what i figured that uh, just sort of you know the uh, run of the mill usual stuff never got to me so i remember i even uh, took a piano so i got some uh, certificates from the trinity school of music and uh and then it was in class i think 10th and when i gave my 10th boards i started my first uh, company it was a e-learning firm it was the year 1999 i still remember and it was two of us you know one of my one of my friends used to live around and 
I remember Bunsi was sitting in the evening, we were playing cricket and, uh, you know, like every Indian boy, Delhi boy plays cricket. So I was playing cricket and uh, this friend of mine um, was, a, was a hardcore deep techie when I was the more sales research kind of guy. And one of my cousins called me from Agra and he said, uh, you know, I want to learn C++ in Java. And while in Delhi, Bombay and all these cities, you know, we used to have access to NIIT and, and you know, a lot of these app tech, for example, these uh, places. Uh, and it really struck me that can I sort of use the publicly available content and put it online and offer it to the masses? And that's where my first entrepreneurship story began. So it was all pre-18, you know, and, and of course, then came the Y2K and then um, the uh, company had to be shut down and the investors hated me after that. But that part, you know, I mean... Um, before 18, I think was a very, very formative time for my life. And, uh, you know, funnily enough, uh, I used to stammer, actually, you know, and um, I, I I couldn't actually speak a sentence without stammering. And it was a huge fear in my mind. And I still remember spending my um, uh, break time and, you know, my time in my acting classes just coming over that fear. And, you know, I think uh, everything is history thereafter. I became a theater actor, I became a debater, and I did a lot of with my speaking skills. So, in fact, today I own pretty much all of my speaking skills. So, yeah, before 18 was a, was a fantastic time for my life, and then uh, stuff happened. Yeah, and just for our listeners, Sanjit is just being very humble. He doesn't look a day over 21, okay? So, that was a wrong, like, completely wrong <laughs> comment to start off on. <laughs> Am I supposed to say? Am I supposed to say all? Yes, please, if you feel like it. But Sanjit, I think um, what really sets you apart from most of the analysts is uh, you are somebody who learns from experience, or you actually execute, or you know, you you tend to look at things ground up. How has that actually helped you set yourself apart from the many other analysts in the market? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And sometimes I'll be honest, it, uh, I wonder as well, because, you know, I'm not somebody who comes from the technology world. I'm not somebody who studied engineering. I'm not somebody who uh, uh, studied heaps and heaps of books. And and I think if I sort of uh, do some introspection, um, which I which you forced me to do for this podcast, and thank you for that. But, you know, um, when I did some introspection, uh, what I what I really figure is that I'm somebody who just hates to be very bookish. I I love being hands on. So um, the, you know if, if like you know, even in my school time I hated just being in the classes just because I wasn't learning enough. It wasn't just exciting for me enough. Um, and uh, even after school, you know, in college as well, I remember I dropped out of one of uh, DU's best colleges just because I was being forced to sit in the class and I wanted to do more with my life. And in, even when I joined the analyst world, what I figured very quickly was that I cannot get away by being an armchair analyst. For me to become closer to my customer, which is the CIO, CTO, or today the CMO and CFOs of the world, I have to step into their shoes, experience their world. And I, I sort of took it upon as a, as a very personal challenge that uh, I'll sort of whatever technology I write about, first I'll do some mini implementations. I'll probably book up an instance. I, so I always have had a Linux uh, machine at the back end. I've always had these mini Windows machines where I sort of test and dev and I do a lot of these 
new age development. And in fact, you know, when I was setting up Greyhound, um, uh, I mean, there's a funnier story behind that, but on a more serious note, you know, I, I was so passionate about technology that I, I learned coding overnight. I coded the own website. So even today, you know, the Greyhound research website, the code that you see is written by me. So, you know, I'm very hands-on and that's why I I think I'm able to be in the CIO, CTO, CMO shoes very closely and, um, and hence have recommendations that work very good for them because I know what it feels to be in their shoes. You've also had a lot of experiences while you were in your college doing hands-on stuff. Can you tell us some of your experiences from there, Sanjay? Uh, even when I went to college, as I said, uh, I went to this uh, great college, but being in that class for hours and hours really got onto me so much that it's um, not even funny. So, you know, what I did was to actually drop out of that college and went to a college that gave me more flexibility in terms of uh, attendance. So, so that what I could do with my time was to involve myself again with theater, with debates, and more importantly, I joined a company called Bose Corporation. These guys make speakers. So I still remember I was part of their, um, you know, I was all of 18. I had uh, done a startup and I'd done all of that. I did in school and I landed in this corporate office and they said, okay, here's a Bose Wave Radio CD. Try selling it to me. Now, um, it was a brand new experience because, you know, I, I was taken around the country in uh, Calcutta, in a lot of these, uh, you know, other parts of the country wherein we had to install the Bosley Radio CD, uh, pick a choice on, in terms of the music, uh, and display the product live in front of hundreds of people. Now, that exposure taught me so much about the art and science of consumer behavior, of connecting with people, being on the ground, and uh, really facing real-life situations that it opened up my eyes to this entire paradigm and this entire subject of research, sales, and marketing. Uh, you know, at Bose, I also did a lot of research around consumer behavior and what would people want. For example, Bose has a product called the Bose 321s. Now, who would buy the Bose 321s and who would buy the Bose Wave Radio CD was something that, you know, I, I, I learned there. And I still remember, you know, they, they made me sit in the intern call center for a while and I would pick up the phone. So there used to be a number called 1800 call Bose. And yeah, I know I'm not, it's your name as well, Mr. Bose. <laughs> but, I was waiting, you know, when are you going to make uh, that reference? And... I knew you will do that. <laughs> Thankfully, you spared the DK so, part. I know. I, I guess again, it's a pin because I didn't show you as you informed me. So I'm going to keep it PG. But, you know, so I sit behind that call center and uh, really take some live customer calls and, so I think that part of my of my life was such an eye opener for me. Um, although you know, so I mean, I was all of twenty one by the time I graduated. But uh, so look, I, I I was a debater. I I had an acting career part part time. I, by the way, just for uh, uh, just as a part reference, side reference, I even got myself a portfolio. So I used to, um, you know, I used to have long hair, wear the dress <laughs> and all that, and you know, do all the acting shows and, on theater. But uh, you know, by the time I turned 21, um, it became difficult for me to just follow a scripted path of life. You know, most of my peers were going out and planning for an MBA. And it just wasn't for me, honestly. It just wasn't for me. We also know that, you know, you were in a comfortable and a fancy job in the UK as well. Or, you know, you've been across the world, but you did have a good job, a cushy job, and you could have also chosen to stay in any job around the world. But 
you chose the career or the path of an analyst how did that happen you know it's uh, it's a very funny one um, i had a i had a cushy job and a cushy contract too and both left me uh, but that about you know i <laughs> uh, look uh, as i said I, i don't like the conventional route so uh, let's go back roll back a little bit uh, i remember when i sort of got done with my with my bachelor's i was everybody was taking the mba route and for me mba was so boring it was something that it was so scripted because it i you know i started this entire mba career path and just in appeal to me for some reason because i would rather be an expert in a certain field rather than having these uh, uber management degrees so i rolled myself into a msc marketing um in 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 the uk in leeds and um what that really taught me was it really extended my inquisitive my, my inquisitive side around customer behavior around research around marketing and really gave me that ability to go deep into a certain topic which an mba wouldn't have allowed me clearly because in two years they packaged so much so you know uh, when i went there uh, what really what really helped me was this entire research bent of mind that my masters degree helped me achieve now you know as they say one thing leads to another so you know my msc marketing i did this entire research around um uh, market entry strategy for a for an indian based firm which is called daba uh, into the european union and that sort of gave me a very amazing management perspective to things and that sort of led me to believe that i wasn't ready so i i rolled myself into another masters in management and you know um and when i did my second masters in management i did a i did an amazing uh, dissertation on the online grocery market in the uk and this was back in 2005 and 6 uh and to study 2005 and 6 the grocery online grocery market actually opened up my eyes to technology opened up my eyes to startups new business models and that had really sort of unleashed or unlocked my uh, my other side around you know technology startups new business models and 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 then then something very funny happened i got myself into a an fmcg company i had a i had a dream job they offered me an associate brand manager uh, but i just wasn't happy you know um, i and i dropped out again and i still remember that funny interview with my would be manager and, I, and so we were sitting across the table and he asked um, Uh, you know so do you have any question for me i said yes i have a very odd question and he said what's the question so i said look how old are you and he said uh, why i'm 42 so my second next obvious question to him was so it's now the 20 years before i get to your position and he said yes and i just couldn't stand that look i was 21 years old i had uh, done a startup jobs two dissertations two masters uh and you know i was sorry i was 23 that time and i just wasn't happy to take such a laid back approach to my career because i knew that you know a traditional career would be another classroom like was in the school or the college and beyond a few years it would really start getting itchy so i came back to india with a 50 lakh rupee loan and i still remember uh, my quintessential punjabi father um, poured himself a drink and he said mm-hmm. uh, there are kuchni wasakda in english it means nothing you can know you are a you know you are a black sheep of the family and you just keep is that all he said well 
<laughs> Look, I'm gonna, I, I, there are lots of bells and whistles I can attach, but again, this is very little guidance. So, <laughs> and I have strict instructions in the, see, I, the Punjabi in me came on strict instructions. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> uh, so I had, so I have strict instructions from you guys not to uh, use any out of line words. But, you know, I mean, uh, so, so it was so scary, 2007, uh, I'm back with a huge loan, uh, I, you know, I dumped a great job in London. But what happened thereafter was something very fascinating, you know, um, I, I started a small business and events firm in 2007, uh, and very quickly figured that it won't scale, and I sold that too. And then, then the amazing thing happened, I became jobless. <laughs> So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I became jobless. Can you think about it? It was, you know, I yeah, I was 23, uh, in the prime, 50 lakh rupee loan, back from the UK, double masters, run a startup. And that must be like, like I told you so. Uh, yeah, and my father was like, every morning he would wake me up and say, "Man, dekhe mat tenu kya si, kuch nahi wada dera." You know, I was like, I was kicking myself, and I was like, "Oh my god." And then, and then it was this very uh, interesting Monday morning, okay, it was 11 a.m. I was frustrated, I was sleeping, my phone was on silent. And then all of a sudden I wake up to this uh, call on my phone and it's a random number. And then when I pick up the phone, it's my ex-girlfriend. Now, when you're 23 and your ex-girlfriend calls and you're jobless, I think it's a perfect concoction for a great evening. But you know, <laughs> she had just joined a new company and uh, it was 11 a.m. She said, oh, why don't you send me your CV? And then when 2.30 p.m. or next, I know I'm sitting in this office giving an interview. And then they asked me a very funny question. They said, what do you know about the data center market? And honest to my God, uh, till that day, I had heard data and center separately and never together. (laughs) (laughs) But but the good part was that I still landed myself a job because I could talk about futuristic stuff like online, online grocery in the UK. Uh, This was still 2007. So I still cracked that job, you know. And then, you know, honestly, uh, there was no looking back. I think that was a turning point of my life. Um, and the, the first report that was, uh, to me, was the data center market in ASEAN. I swear, I didn't know what ASEAN was to them. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, but, you know, uh, that, guys, honestly, um, uh, I would say was the most pivotal time in my life. I soaked myself into the job. I adopted the ways of life of an analyst very quickly because the good part was all that I did before that uh, was sort of preparing me for this job. So I had a huge research bent of mind. I had uh, a huge consumer behavior bent of mind. I had opened myself up to technology. I had opened myself up to new business models. And the good part that came to my use was that the international exposure that I already had prior to that. And that really helped me sort of uh, get soaked into the job very, very quickly. And the good part was that uh, the company that I joined back in time was Springboard Research. It was a startup, a new analyst firm. And, you know, the fact that I had run a startup before that. So I understood the ways of the small company. So I sort of grew tremendous appreciation for what I was doing. And uh, honestly, there was generally no looking after post that. I, I... I think I was born to be an analyst, uh, but I never knew what an analyst da- did. And um, I think that's sort of one thing that to another really. To thinking data and center were two separate words, to being the founder of Greyhound Research, 
which we believe, uh, you know, is synonymous for its love for research, incremental goals, challenging stereotypes and pushing boundaries. Can you just take us through what was the birth of, what was the idea that actually brought about the birth of Greyhound Research? Yeah, you know, it's very humbling what you said. Thank you. I, I have goosebumps, honestly. If I could show my video with, with the Zoom and facility, I would, you would see my goosebumps. But, uh, you know, I, I tell you, uh, it's a, uh, it's very funny. So, you know, when I was in Springboard, I would sort of work for 72, 80 hours at stretch. And that's so much I love my job. But, you know, while in while heart of heart, I'm an analyst and that's what I do the best. But in spirit, I'm an entrepreneur. You know, because uh, that that part of me is very, very active. That part of me to do more with life is very active. So I remember then, you know, Forrester required uh, Springboard. And now that, you know, it's way past, I can tell a very funny story. Uh, you know, I was in Springboard Research and there was a lady uh, called Ellen Daly, who was the entire head of integration for Springboard and Forrester. And before the news came to us, I had sneakily reached out to Ellen Daly on, on LinkedIn and I said, hey, well, I want to apply to Forrester. So that sort of tells you about my mindset, right? That I'm always uh, itching to do more. Uh, now, um, so, you know, I, I, I spent some time in Forrester, wonderful company, lovely experience. And that sort of, you know, helped me notch up my experience and exposure about uh, the global research business models and how, how you know organizations think and what they need but you know it was getting um, very comfortable and the moment it gets too comfortable is when you know i want to shake things up so it was so comfortable that i had a steady girlfriend who wanted to get married to me so you know uh, and then and then 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 there came a new job uh, that was with idc and so and then, you know what, uh, three months into IDC, I just wasn't happy. So one fine night, I quit. And then I didn't know that the job wasn't meant for me and not even the girlfriend both left me. Uh, and thankfully <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, that apart, you know, uh, I mean, you know, so again, you know, I was 29, I was jobless, I was girlfriendless, and I was back on the road. Um, so I still remember 22nd March, 2013, I had quit my job uh, and, um, and and the and uh, I booked myself into Western Gurgaon and and I said I will come out of this room only when I have a company in hand and I don't forget 23rd March 2013 midnight it's at the stroke of the midnight as they say I booked the domain called greyhoundresearch.com and uh, you know uh, uh, I remember sort of being in the hotel in the shower and thinking to myself you know what. What does the company stand for? And it reminded me of a very interesting episode that happened between me and my mother in January 2013. Now, we were getting a new dog and, you know, I was researching which dog to get. And I ended up sort of be buying a Beagle. And Beagle actually um, uh, is, is a type of a hound. So, I, you know, while I was researching for hound, yeah, I mean, no, no, no marks for guessing I would research, right? So I was researching for dogs and I was researching for beagles and I ended up on a, on a greyhound. And, and I remember sitting with my mom that time and I said, look, uh, if ever I was to make a company, it would be something like this. So uh, why? Because, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, it's the fast, one of the fastest animals in, on, the, on earth. Uh, it's a very smart animal. It smells for, for, you know, it smells very quickly and very fast. 
it's used for hunting. And if you look at the the body of a greyhound, uh, it's got very slim legs, but a very steady body. And I said that would be us because we would be uh, fast, we would be intelligent about how we do our things, we would be nimble, and yet we would be steady. And that's how the Greyhound Research brand really came about. Even the logo I designed that night, and um, and, I, and I said, okay, if, you, if you're going to be in this race, uh, they, and when you start the race, there's an arrow, and that's how the arrow came about in the logo. And uh, and then the arrow also I changed to something called the greater than equal to. So if you see the Greyhound logo, it's greater than equal to, and the arrow symbolizes the starting of a race line. And the entire premise was that we partner with our clients uh, from the point go. So that's how the brand came about. And, um, you know, one thing very interesting also happened in January 2013 when I joined uh, uh, my new job. I, I figured that I was I had a lot of insights that I had sort of collected over these years. And I was having lunch in this new place once and I was sitting alone and having lunch. And uh, I said, you know, I want to do something which is as disruptive as it gets. And that name, as disruptive as it gets, just stuck on to me. So while I was still in that job, I started this blog, which is as disruptive as it gets. And by March 2013, we were rated as the top 10 blogs in the world for enterprise IT. And that sort of gave me a huge confidence boost. And uh, I remember talking to one of my top clients back in time, and they said, uh, you get out and we become your first client. And in fact, even before I started Greyhound on 21st March, I still have that email from that lady. She, she sent me an email saying, the day you leave, please assure you, you we be the first client you bill us at 50,000 USD was the first. Uh, so we were in business even before uh, we started the company, honestly. Wow, we have goosebumps now, Sanchit, <laughs> listening to that. So thank you. So Sanchit, uh, your personal brand is that of a firebrand analyst and we know, you know, most people love your unfiltered and honest opinions. Uh, has that gone <laughs> against you at any point, being this honest and unfiltered analyst? Um, I mean, yes and no. Um, I mean, look, you uh, you cannot go against who you are as, as human beings, right? And I think... Um, especially if you're an entrepreneur, your company has to be a reflection, a very close mirror reflection of who you are eventually, right? Uh, I'm uh, as honest as they come. And even in personal life, if there's something I don't appreciate, I would say it on your face. Uh, I would not really get out from saying it. I cannot be biased. That think about being independent, being honest is something that I, 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 I am in my personal life as well. And that when I was starting Greyhound, uh, look, I also figured that a lot of my peer firms have gotten into this entire sponsored research business in such a big way that nobody's out there talking the truth. Okay. So let's say in year one, somebody will be a top in a specific wave or a quadrant in the next year, somebody else will be the top in the third year, somebody else will be the top. And and people are confused. People don't know how to differentiate between the honest, hardcore truth and unbiased views, or let's say the paid versions of the views, right? And um, over the course of time, I've stood my ground about not onboarding even a single rupee or a dollar of uh, biased research or a sponsored research. And on the, on the course, look, I've had cost to pay. Now, when I say real cost to pay, I've had to let go of clients. I've had to let go of a lot of uh, 
new deals that could have sort of uh, helped me uh, expedite my success. A lot of, I'll, I'll give you a small example. Um, you know, in the early days, there was a huge vendor that called upon us and said you, they would like for us to write a white paper. But, you know, till date, we've never written a white paper because we understand it's going to be sponsored. And no matter how much you like, beyond a point, you have to carry their voice. So we have strictly stayed away from that kind of business. And yeah, and look, um, there are times you would see that, uh, you know, we don't, uh, we are sort of, we are not called upon by a few vendors because we don't uh, tap on their back and praise them. And that's okay. Look, uh, I have a philosophy and it's a very personal philosophy as an analyst that one can never be a good analyst if you haven't burnt a few vendors wrong. No, seriously. I mean, look, you cannot please everybody. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and my journey, you know, my first duty is towards my end user clients, in fact, because um, they need to hear the unfiltered point of view and they need to hear the unbiased point of view. And there are times in many deals, there are lots of vendors sitting and all of them are friends, you know, who you meet otherwise in industry events. And I have to say, no, their, their, um, their product is not the best. I, I still remember being in a paid gig wherein I was called to speak at a very large event. And then the CIO got up with a question. And I have to say, no, this product of this vendor, on whose shop you are and whose event you are, is not the best one for you. And this was in live in front of hundreds of people. Now, trust me, I haven't been invited again, then that's okay. But you know, the point is that uh, my first duty is towards these CIOs, CTOs, and other end users who are my customers. I mean, you know, I, I have, I've even been just recently, I was threatened with a legal suit as well. And look, that doesn't bother me. Not one bit. I'll tell you why. Because uh, yeah, I, I know I have my facts in my place. I know I've done my research. And then I also know I'm a Punjabi boy who will go in their face back. But <laughs> I mean that apart, that was just for the fun side. But you know, if if these things deter you, then you're not standing up for the right things. Then you're not being true to your job. And I think uh, in this, you know, um, yesterday I was in a CIO session. It's a very large hotel chain, and um, the you know, in the hotel business these days is in a very tough position. So what they're doing is to do an entire digital transformation roadmap, and we are partners to that. You know, so one of the one of I asked him for the feedback, and I, you know what he told me was something very interesting. He said, "Look, um, in the SI world, in the MSP world, or let's say in, in any other analyst firm that I pick up, I can smell bias. And the only reason I get you on board is that you don't fear to even critique me. So I was sitting in his board meeting. The CIO is paying for my engagement." but I am critiquing the CIO in front of the board. Now, that is purely because I keep uh, something called API, assume positive intent. So <laughs> it's a different sort of an API. Uh, so, you know, I, I assume positive intent on all sides and being honest to the job is what really wakes me up in the morning. And if I'm not being honest, look, I will not be able to execute. I'll uh, tell you a small story. Once, uh, you know, there was very hard times in the business. And I said, let us do a small um, a small activity, which will be slightly paid. And, uh, you know, we'll earn some money and come back on our shoes and, you know, and get back. Uh, but honestly, I couldn't execute it. Um, so I had to call call the vendor friend. And I said, look, I'm sorry. I'm not able to execute this. So it's like very funny. Why aren't you able to? You know, you have the reach to the CIOs. 
you know the journalist i said no i can't be lying this is sponsored i'm sorry this is just it just doesn't gel with who i am you know so so yeah you know i mean these are th- these are costs you pay uh, but uh, you cannot forget who you are staying true to who you are perfect sounds fancy but you know i try yeah it's, it's not easy you know it's not easy on a daily basis while it's it sounds good to hear i know it sounds good but it's not an easy job to do it day in day out no, it's not it's a lot of grit so sanchit uh, the general tendency about a tech analyst would be like boring right uh, sorry <laughs> but yeah i mean you tell someone you know i'm i'm a tech analyst it's not like you know it doesn't sound entertaining but you being a tech analyst you write poems you're into theater and your humor is kick ass like i've been laughing throughout uh, you know our conversations so you're not just the regular tech analyst guy you 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 have a lot more into you and we know that you also follow a different passion uh, outside of your analyst job do you want to talk us through about yeah it? you know i mean it's a very interesting one i I, I go back and forth on this. I'll tell you why. I, uh, I, I'm, I may come across as trying to be funny, but I'm extremely shy. You know, I'll take the, there's something called the Brigg-Myers test. Take that. I took that test and I came across as an INTJ. INTJ is this, is, is a severe introvert. And, 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 you know, as a kid, I'll tell you, when I used to stammer and the entire battle of overcoming stammering, and to being in the public eye and to be scrutinized and to be held liable was a great learning exercise for me and what it gave me was this entire um, need to be in solace and and to isolate myself and consume myself and become deeper so what i did was i started reading quite a bit and i needed to find a method of expression to go out to the world and uh, honestly writing became my method of expression to the world uh to put on a show as an actor became my method to battle my issues as a child okay and i think that's how my side of acting my poetry uh, became my uh, coping mechanism if you may uh in fact you know i you know i've been writing poems for a very long while and uh, every heartbreak assured you i would write a poem and you know but it, but i would never put them out out of uh, fear because you know as i said i'm an introvert for the fear of being judged would always get to me but you know recently um i i started opening up and i said you know why not what's the worst that will happen people who don't like it will unfollow and that's okay you know what and that's perfectly fine you have to accept me as a package so yes if i write a like poems and if you find them silly my apologies but uh, people don't you know on instagram we ha- i have 2 lakh views on my poems so thank you for all of, all of those viewers uh you know i for example i started this new think about uh, interior design i mean i i bought i bought a new house 3 years ago and i said you know i need a new challenge again you know this entire thing about new challenge really keeps me on so i said you know what i'm going to break down the home i'm not going to hire an interior designer and i'm going to do this all by myself so today i can talk about uh, anything building material to interior designer to labor costs and everything i know i know it at the back of my hand right so by insist i think you know what we are we are we are bigger than our jobs right i mean uh, work is a very small part of life and and if we don't have give ourselves that challenge every now and then we become so boring you know uh 
So I mean, I remember when I was in when I was in Leeds University, and uh, this is 2004-5. I I was struggling with the breakup, and I said, and, and you know, because I'm a science guy, I need to make put logic to it. Then, asa kyun hua? Usne mujhe kyun choda? Ab now the girl wouldn't pick up my call, so I don't know why the hell she left me, right? So I took to something called numerology, and just to scientifically explain to myself why that thing happened. Maybe it was a timing. Maybe it was something. And since two thousand four five, now I've been practicing numerology, and there are these um, about twelve hundred people I help. And you know, I've never met these people. There are people. I have a website which you don't know about. It doesn't carry my name. And this is sort of a my way of giving back to the world, of helping a lot of people answer basic questions, basis some piece of knowledge that I have using my numerology skills. Now, am I going to make a business out of it? No. never uh, this is something i use to again give back to people or just to connect with people on a humane level you know it's important to keep grounded i remember the, um, the reason i do this and i should be i'll be very honest with you is because uh, a few years ago when i started traveling more around the world and you know meeting more analysts i figured that a lot of analysts um act as demigods you know they sort of act bigger than life they've got these chips on their shoulders um and i can't be that i think you know that's uh, uh that is just so unreal right so to keep life real because you know you tend to get celebrated quite a bit let's say you write positive about a certain vendor they'll they will drum you up and make you do the rounds of the world and they'll fly you business class and all of that and it's very easy for it to get to your head and i don't i, mean, I would hate for it to, to get to my head so you know i it's a sincere effort at my end to keep it so middle class at my end that that it's not funny so like for example every evening after dinner i would do, i would do the dishes we have a maid we have everything but i insist on doing the dishes because i want to feel connected to realities you know i don't want to be so plushed and polished that you know you forget about the realities of the world so i think to keep grounded is a, is has to be a consistent daily effort to give back has to be a consistent daily effort and that's why i never take my job too seriously honestly so new challenges is what keeps you going sanchit there are so many aspects of you that we have discovered on this call and i'm sure our listeners will but the question on our mind right now is we are so sure you're planning your next move Okay, just just, <laughs> just hearing you. Yeah. You have something up your sleeve. So what next? Ah, time will tell. Time will tell. Of course, I do. It's in the making. Ah, uh, I'll two thousand twenty-two. It will be out, but it will be out. I mean, but I can tell you for sure. One of the things will be I have been itching to write a book for the longest time. So I will write a book for sure. um but there is something bigger in my mind uh, but you know i will never stop being an analyst graham research is here to stay uh in fact uh, only a few days ago i got a great acquisition offer and i'm not taking that because i'm you know i think we can do better and bigger but uh, i think I, i will continue to be an analyst because as i said heart of heart i'm an analyst i love consumer behavior i love technology i love futuristic business models in spirit i'm an entrepreneur so to satiate my uh, spirit of entrepreneurship i will plan something new i am planning sorry something new uh, but you know one thing that i will definitely you would see me do a lot more is um, this this entire i want to run something called the greyhound foundation um, 
it's uh, something that it's been uh, playing on my mind for a very long time. Um, you know, the two causes that really get to me is uh, the girl child education and rescue of uh, animals. So, so you know, um, I have this very strong belief that when you educate a girl child, you are educating an entire family. And it's very critical for people like us who have been blessed by in so many ways that we give back and educate these girl children and make them stronger. Because, you know, it's so much, so uncertain times that you cannot really depend on these traditional marriage models where people will be taken care of. So you have to empower. So, you know, at some stage, my next, I love to sort of do more to give back. And, and you know, in my own sweet little ways, where I live right now is very funny. We have a lot of uh, flora and fauna. So every day, you know, we ensure, me and my wife, and it's a shared goal, that uh, we will feed every day uh, pigeons, small birds, peacocks. I think a peacock has just adopted me. And squirrels, squirrels, monkeys, dogs, cats. So every day and every night we have this entire discipline wherein you know we, we have the food ready, about a few kilos, and we'll go out and sort of do that. So I think uh, that really helps me, and I would sort of want to develop more on that. Beautiful thoughts. And yeah, we do see the picture of the uh, peacock uh, in both your uh, Twitter and Insta feed. It's a beautiful <laughs> one. <laughs> right. So thank you so much, Sanchit. It has been an invigorating conversation. And I think you personify what both DK stands for. It is real. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, can I say no? Given. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so funny, it's so funny you know, I get these calls and people say, oh, such a, people have to critique, right? People come back and say, hey, uh, you know, your, your brand is the only brand, Greyhound brand is smaller. Like, hell yeah. And even till today, Richard Branson's brand is bigger than Virgin brand, right? For all, look, there needs to be a flag bearer and people, you know, will always critique. So I don't care. I don't say Bose DK, but I don't care. No, this is this has been this has been the most real conversation that we've had on our podcast. So we'll just we'll just end this saying, you know what, listeners, this is the real Sanchit Veer Gogia, and that's a real conversation with him. It can't get more real. So thank you so much, Sanchit, for spending this time with us. It's been fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Deepak. Thank you, Mr. Bose, uh, for a very fun conversation. And I have to tell you, there are very few podcasts uh, that really you know, bring out the personal side. And um, it kudos to both of you what you're doing. So, so, you know, big thumbs up. We are sure you enjoyed listening to the lesser known aspects of SVG. We certainly couldn't imagine him as a long-haired theatre enthusiast, which is a huge part of what he is. Boss DK, the podcast where we bring forth real conversations that you don't hear anywhere else. Until next time, keep it real.